Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else. Even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash recommend today. All right, we are on the launching pad. Another hour of great gardening tips, tricks, and more. And remember, DougOster.com for everything that is the host of the Organic Gardener Show every Sunday, Rob Pratt Sunday at 7 a.m. on Odyssey 100.1 FM AM 1020 KDK. Eric Countryman from Davy Tree Expert Company is going to be talking about the effect all the rain has had on trees after our 7.30 break. But in the first couple of segments, it's you and Doug. Call us with your gardening question, 866-391-1020. And if you're the 10th caller right now at 412-922-1020, you're going to win a $25 gift certificate from Sorgles out in that great community of Wexford. So here he is, the star of the show, Mr. Doug Oster. Good morning, Doug. Good morning, Rob. You're the star of the show, though. No, 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 no. You're the one that shines the brightest because I can't grow anything. But one thing is for sure, nobody can complain that we haven't had enough rain to grow. Yeah, no doubt about it. And yes, Eric Countryman from the Davy Tree Expert Company be here after the 7:30 news break. And yes, talking about the effect of all that rain on trees. And it's funny because we were talking, I don't know, three weeks ago about the effect of no rain on our landscape. So I guess that's the life of a gardener. I have some free seeds for you if you would like them. It's from a Swiss chard called Perpetual Spinach. I bought. Uh, a bunch in bulk from Eden Brothers for my Doug's Free Seed Shacks. Those are completely filled with the perpetual spinach. But I've got way too many seeds, and they need a good home. So if you would like them, just go to DougOster.com, and you can see all the address. It's just a self-addressed stamped envelope. So this is a really cool variety of Swiss chard. Even though it's from the same species as chard and beets, it has some important differences. It tastes more like true spinach than chard. And the leaves look like spinach, too. They're kind of flatter and pointed with slimmer stems. Like I said, it's more of a spinach than a chard. This is something you could start right now in the garden, keep it going most of the winter. Last year I had a bunch of Swiss chard over winter, and it's still there in the garden. The stuff that I started last year at this time is still in the garden. It went all winter and, and has kept going and cut it when needed. I also put some in a seed shack that's at Han Nursery. So if you happen to be from the North Hills, you don't want to send the self-addressed stamped envelope, you can just go to Han Nursery, the seed, ask where the seed shack is. It's pretty easy to find. And just get a packet that way. They do have, I was there yesterday to fill up the seed shack. They got a lot of stuff on sale. Lilacs half price, a, big, a few big caladiums left. Uh, for about five bucks. Now, caladiums, the reason I always tell people to buy those now, you'll get another month and a half out of them outside, but they have a bulb underneath that you can save. It's really easy to save 
uh, all winter inside, and I'll talk about that when we get closer. Also, they got a bunch of herbs there for a buck, including some lots of basil. So if you're looking for something to add to the garden, or if you'd like to drop by and get my perpetual spinach seeds, you could do it that way. But as I said, if you want a packet of the seeds and you can't get to Han Nursery, just go to DougOster.com and the address is there. Send me a self-addressed envelope. I'll send you the seeds right back out. Boy, uh, I uh, texted our friend Steve Rapaski yesterday because I saw three bucks running across the road uh, coming home the other day. And then I walked out there the other day and there was two bucks a doe with three fawns, uh, and I was wondering why, why are they all together? Why have they not split up yet? But uh, he was just telling me that they're still in their family groups, and so they're ravaging the garden. You know, for the most part, they don't eat my begonias, but they've been after my begonias. So I've been I, anything like that. I spray with something called Bobex, and yeah, I always say Bobex really smells bad, but it keeps the deer off the stuff, you know, and the smell's only there for a few days, so it's okay. I wanted to, to list, and I've got all these uh, plants at DougOster.com, but I wanted to talk about some of my favorite plants for the end of the season that are out in Deer Central that are are doing great, and the deer walk right by them. And so some of these have long names that you might not be familiar with. And, again, just go to the website. Pictures and uh, detailed information about each one of these plants is there. But I just want to talk about them. One is called Ligularia Brit Marie Crawford. Brit Marie Crawford is the name of the cultivar. And when I worked at the PG probably 15 years ago, maybe 20 years ago, uh, the breeder had just introduced this, this type of Ligularia. It's a shade-loving perennial. And it gets about four foot tall. It has big uh, uh, foliage that is like green and, and bronze with purple stems, but then it has these beautiful orange, yellow, daisy-like flowers. And I'll tell you what, this thing, I have never watered it. It's just been indestructible. And as I said, the deer walk right by it. Now, some of the perennials I talk about are long bloomers. This is not a long bloomer. This is three, four weeks. It'll be here and gone as far as the flowers are. But a lot of times with perennials, plants that come back year after year, it's the foliage that we're looking at. And so this has really beautiful foliage. It's indestructible. The deer don't like it, and it's easy to grow. And it's, like I said, it's a shade lover. Uh, the other thing is uh, anemone or windflower is blooming right now. And, again, it can be a bully if it's in really good soil. So if you have a problem area that's kind of part sun, uh, anemone is good because it could be a five-foot-tall plant. It could be a one-foot-tall plant, depending which one you get. It could be purple. could be white. could be pink. Lots of different variables there. And, again, it's something you can put in the garden, and it's just going to do its thing. It's going to go nuts. Uh, another shrub that I love, and, and don't hate me for this, it's called Rose of Sharon, but it's a special variety called Sugar Tip. And again, I actually saw some of those at Han Nursery yesterday. I'm sure you could find those at just about any nursery. So Sugar Tip is not like a normal Rose of Sharon. It was bred to be sterile. So all those seeds or all those flowers will not drop seeds, and you won't have a 1,000 <laughs> Rose of Sharon. That's why people hate Rose of Sharon. Uh, but it's got uh, beautiful variegated foliage, like green and white variegated foliage, and pink, double, fluffy flowers. I just, I love it. And since it's sterile, it, and again, it, it just, that one I actually, because it was a new plant, I, I watered it twice during the drought. 
another thing I got from a a, a a guy I met at the Home and Garden Show, Damian Ando. He loves growing bananas, believe it or not, hardy bananas. And so I did a story on him. It was amazing. And he gave me all these, uh, you know, three or four little starts. And now I've got a banana tree that comes back every year that is almost 10 foot tall. And again, the deer don't go after it. It does its thing. It's in part shade, uh, you know, out where he has his out in, in sun, they get even bigger, believe it or not. Really easy to grow. And then in the winter, all I do is, is cut it back to the ground and, and mulch it like crazy. And then it comes back on its own. Got some old fashioned flocks out there that's blooming right now. And again, the deer will nibble on that, but that's just kind of like selective pruning. <laughs> Uh, when they do nibble on it, it branches and flowers again. Uh, it has a nice old-fashioned flavor. And then there's an annual that is that is self-sowing all over the garden uh, called balsam. And it's not grown very much anymore, but it is so easy to grow. It's a type of impatient, but it grows on kind of upright stalks, like three foot tall. But I grew a mix last year that... Uh, called camellia flowering mix and it drops seeds everywhere and now they're blooming all over the vegetable garden it's awesome uh look at the picture because i've got a picture up there at dougoster.com of one called peppermint stick and it's a red flower with white variegation just and again you know it's just so easy it's growing by itself even though it's an annual it's just a self-sowing annual and just does its thing real quick i've got uh, a trip uh in may to england chelsea flower show it is the Super Bowl of flower shows. Uh, you know, this is my third trip back there, but we're adding a, a visit to Holland for something called Floriad. Floriad only happens every 10 years. It is a garden spectacular, over 143 acres. It's going to be amazing. All the details are at DougOster.com. All right, Rob, we ready for a break? We're going to take a break. Come back, get some phone calls for Doug Oster, DougOster.com. This is The Organic Gardener on KDKA. Good morning. All right, here we go, ladies and gentlemen. Time to get to your phone calls for Doug Oster. Let's say hi to Dan in Washington. Hey, Dan, how you doing? Good morning. I'm doing fantastic. Thank you. I trust you are as well. I'm good. Thank you. Yeah, I had a question about rhubarb. I want to get a couple of rhubarb plants, and I was wondering what you, what do you recommend when to plant and what variety is pretty good for the Washington, PA area? Well, this would be a great time to put those in the ground, and it'll just be up to what you can find. Uh, you know, your local nursery down there should have some rhubarb for you, usually sold as kind of, as a root as opposed to the plant. But this would be a great time to get it established. When you do, just remember that that rhubarb is going to be there hopefully forever. And so what you're going to want to do is really improve that soil, dig in some compost for each root that you put in there, and then get water on it, and once it gets established, next str- spring you'll be good to go. What are you going to make out of that rhubarb, do you know? Well, actually, I give it to a dear friend of mine, and she bakes the uh, best pie you ever ate in your life. What is it, rhubarb pie or rhubarb strawberry? Well, usually she makes rhubarb strawberry, and I've kind of talked her into, uh, when she does mine, just to leave the strawberries for somebody else. <laughs> that sounds great. Well, good luck with that rhubarb. Uh, uh, and if, if somebody else is baking pies for me, I'd, I'd put in a whole a whole bed of rhubarb. Let's go to Lo- for your co- Lloyd in Wexford. Uh, no, McCandless. Hi, Lloyd. Hey, good afternoon or good morning. Thanks a lot for taking my call, Doug. 
Appreciate it. I have a, probably an easy question for you. I have tomatoes, and they're cracking. Is yeah, that too much water? Been, yeah, that, that's been a, 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 a often asked question after we had all that rain. Yeah, what happens is, you know, you get deluge with water like that. The plant wants it, keeps uptaking it, getting the water up in there, but the fruit hasn't grown, can't grow fast enough, and the skin that's there, once that tomato gets filled up with water, that's what cracks them and splits them. So it's a stretch mark, basically. Yeah, that's basically what it is. And And the other question, I got some of those 3945 tomatoes from you. I finally have one tiny tomato on it. It grows weird. Have you grown those? Yeah, and, and you know the thing is, since we've been saving those, you never know what you're going to get, and so oh, could be crossbred with something. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes they'll cross uh, with each other and this and that. But you know, it's supposed to be a, a nice sized tomato. It's not supposed to be a little tomato. And so well, when it comes true, it's kind of an orangish tennis ball sized fruit that's really oh, super yeah. tasty. So everybody, you know, everybody gets a little bit something different and sometimes they don't sprout and it right. can be. Well, it took a while. I, yeah. I, I, I tried germinating about seven or eight of them and I think only two sprouted. Yeah. And the, the plants almost look like an evergreen. They get weird. It's not like the regular tomato where it spreads all over the place. So, but I'll still send. Well, I'm up. glad, I'm glad you're growing it. That uh, tomato was found on the battlefield of world war two right. from by a Pittsburgh exactly. and, I will have the seeds available for people again uh, this winter if anyone's interested in growing that 3945, as I said, found on the battlefield at World War II. Anybody else on the phone, Rob? Yep, we got one more call before we hit to the break. Let's go to Kim. Kim's joining us today from Wexford. Hi, Kim. Hi. Hey, Doug. I have a tomato question. My, uh, the bottom leaves of my tomatoes are, have spots on them and are turning yellow but my tomatoes are still growing. So I wondered if that is early blight or late blight, or is that just all the water or what, and how to treat it? It's not late blight. So let's not not even say the word late blight, because when when late blight comes in, it is devastating. And so late blight is black. And so what you're seeing is either early blight or septoria leaf spot. They're very common and and look almost the same. And what will happen is the bottom of the plant will... Start to do what yours are doing. Some people will refer to that as the bottom of my plant is drying up. And so, yes, it turns yellow and spots, and those bottom leaves start to fall off. But it, it rarely uh, kills the plant, usually just kind of slows it down. At this point of the season, the only thing I would do is I would just gently remove any infected foliage, get it out of there, uh, and, and let the, the tomatoes do their thing. Uh, because now that, you know, your plant's already set tomatoes, you'll be, you'll be in good shape. And, and this is something that when we have a real wet period like we had, you know, first in, in the, it would pro- probably happen in the spring actually. And so it doesn't manifest itself till later, but when we have cool, wet weather, that causes uh, the fungal spores to splash up on the tomato and then they infect the tomato and work their way up to the top that we have that dry spell and now more water and then that's when we get that manifestation of the disease but at this point nothing to worry about remove infected foliage and just enjoy the tomatoes that you get now here's another question does it do i do i if those leaves touch other leaves is that how it spreads like do i have to be careful yep, yep. as i move up yeah, the that's plant a, that 
that's how you know that's why we want to keep them as far as far apart as we can you know a lot of people plant okay. their tomatoes on five five foot centers but at this point of the, the year it's it's not that big of a concern you've got tomatoes on there they're going to ripen they'll be fine they're not going to be infected thanks okay. very much for your call thank you uh, all right doug tell us what we're going to be talking about with eric countryman well we're going to be talking about all the different things that we i talked to him earlier this week well different things we're going to uh, we're seeing with with trees because of all that rain we had. You know that was that was that was a lot of rain. You know, <laughs> here I am. I'm complaining that it's too dry, too dry, and then we go the exact opposite direction. And so we've got a lot to talk about, and a little bit. We're going to talk a little bit climate change and planting too. There's some changes in the way we sh- what we should be planting because of the way things have changed. So it'll be interesting. I'll be I'll be uh, very interested to see what he has to say. All right, Eric Countryman coming up right after Rob Taylor checks the news bottom of the hour. Don't forget next hour summer seafood from salmon, crab meat, lobster, shrimp. It's all on the topic of conversation on the Coons Cooking Hour. Then Heffron Tillotson, your money and you. Then we look back at the Steelers' win last night. Big night for Big Ben, leading the troops for the first time this preseason on the Coons Market Black and Gold Sunday show. This is Rob Pratt Sunday. You're listening to The Organic Gardener with Doug Oster. DougOster.com, Odyssey, 100.1 FM, AM 1020, KDK. We are joined by Eric Countryman from the Davy Tree Expert Company. Good morning, Eric. How are you? Good morning, Doug. Doing pretty well. How are you? I'm doing good. Well, I think it was just a few weeks ago we were uh, crying about uh, how dry it was and <laughs> how the trees were struggling in, in the drought, and now we are crying about <laughs> what's happening to the trees and all, after all that rain. What are you seeing? Well, you know, I guess a, a continuation of what we were talking about the last time, you know, I'm seeing more and more root stress and root problems uh, this year than I think I have in the last definitely five or six, well, probably since the last time we had a just – a deeply, you know, the polar vortex winter where everything got burned in the winter. Now we're seeing kind of the opposite. It's everything's just sitting in wet mud all year and uh, just not really getting the time to freeze and, and get a rest or to kind of have a decent dry out and growth season uh, anymore. So a lot of root dieback, a lot of, uh, you know, if it's got a little bit of girdling, it's becoming just such a serious problem uh, lately. Yeah, how do I know if my tree has root rot? Is is it any way for me as a uh, homeowner to know that, or do I have to have you guys take a look at it to be sure? Well, you know, if you're not sure, you always should get, you know, one of us to get a look at it. But, you know, common signs of of it getting pretty far along are you see a lot of, you know, dead ends on your tree branches kind of all over the whole tree. Um, You see, you know, where you're losing, you know, parts of a whole tree you're seeing spots on the trunk or even you could see you know mushrooms and fungal you know nodules growing out of the base of the tree or out of the you know roots close near the base what other negatives are there to all this rain are you seeing fungal issues um yeah sometimes because of the heat uh, that is coming with this rain. We don't tend to get a lot of leaf issues, um, and maybe some superficial ones like uh, like a powdery mildew. But um, the the tree issue fungus is usually set in when the leaves are really young, because they don't have their cuticle layer, kind of that you know how leaves get a little waxy, a little harder as they you know age in the into the year. They're kind of protected from leaf spots, and, and uh, so if you're seeing it now. It's not really from the ring we're getting right now. It's, it, it was infected back in, you know, April. 
Oh, that makes sense. That's the same sort of thing I was just talking about with tomatoes. They 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 pick up the disease earlier and manifest it later because my I you know, I love my crab apple, but this time of the year after the spring we had, it's pretty much defoliated. Yeah, yeah. And and, and there's nothing you can do about it now except maybe try to fertilize it and get it healthy to go into next spring, but then as soon as that bud breaks, that's when, you know, if you wanted to try to prevent it, you'd have to use some fungicides to try to keep that fungus from setting in, you know, it's called apple scab, from setting in early because, yeah, by now it'll be, you know, nearly defoliated. And from your point of view, are there any positives to all this rain for certain trees or all the, all the way across the board, it's just negative to get that much? Well, I mean, if a tree, certain varieties of trees, sometimes like your sycamores or your, you know, river birches, things that are willows, things that like water, um, you know, if we go through a long dry spell, they, they really, they can kind of hold back and they can be okay and they get the water and they can then really kind of thrive. Um, but if it's other things that like to be kind of in, you know, in the drier, drier woods like maples, oaks, uh, you know, are more native species, it could be, it's too much. And I'm glad you brought up river birches because, and I don't know if that's one of the trees that we'll talk about, but there are some changing suggestions as far as planting trees because of the way our climate is changing, right? Yeah, it's it's something I've really thought about, and I've read some scientific journal articles about it more and more. And I, I, I'm not ready to say here in Pittsburgh we shouldn't plant um, certain trees, but I guess if it were my yard, you know, one I wouldn't plant is like a European white birch. Um, they They like cold climates. They like cold winters. Uh, same thing, honestly, at this point with like sugar maples or, you know, our really native, uh, you know, woodland maple type species. I just think we're not getting the cold enough winters, uh, you know, sustained cold winters to give them that, you know, rest that they need. And then we're just getting these just super humid, hot summers that it's just too much for them. You know, I've read the same thing. I've interviewed other arborists from Davy Tree, and I'm hearing the same sort of thing. And, and you know, the one tree that it, it keeps coming to the surface is sugar maple, and ah, that's kind of sad because, you know, sugar maple is such an easy tree in general to grow and such a beautiful tree, and, and one of the trees that is often recommended by arborists uh, – so what what is there is there something else you would think about planting in place of these trees you know like you said it 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 might, it might be too early to to make that determination but when you're thinking about your own property what would you would there be something in mind that you would want to plant instead uh, you know off the top of my head uh, no <laughs> you know I, I I've been saying my one of my favorite sort of native shade trees as a black gum. I just like the color of them. I think they're very hardy, but I think what we're, what we're it's really going to take us probably, uh, you know, a, I, I hate to say it, even another five years or, or more, maybe some research or even some genetic development where we're going to have to find new uh, trees or kind of, you know, the individualized species inside of a, a species of tree. Like there are some maples like the autumn blaze that handle the, you know, this sort of, varying weather pretty well 
um, you know, we're going to have to find some of these newer hybrids that can just be more resilient to the change. I mean, I, I think the, the one thing is we can't say it's just necessarily warmer because if we get another Arctic blast like we did, you know, in 2014, all these trees and plants we brought up from, you know, the, from the Carolinas to grow up here, they're not going to be able to survive that winter. So uh, it's I don't think we're ready really to say yet. I don't want to discourage anyone from planting trees. It's just something to be, you know, to be thoughtful about. Well, since we are coming uh, into the main planting season for trees and shrubs, if I'm out there in the nursery and I'm looking for trees, in your opinion, do I go for a smaller one or a bigger one uh, to plant? If I could, and I and and it doesn't matter to me. I want the expert's opinion in general: uh, smaller or bigger. Ah, uh, well, <laughs> I, yeah, I'll give you two reasons why either is good. If uh, you want that <laughs> thing to be a big old tree and it needs to be a big old tree pretty quickly, then you got to start with a bigger tree. The problem is, is the care for a bigger tree is just a lot more. And you probably, anything over about an inch in diameter, you probably want to talk to an expert about how to, how to plant it and maybe have them do it for you so that it's done right. And then get a... a, a someone to really explain to you how to water it. Uh, a lot of people do not water their trees enough or they, or they water them too frequently. Uh, a tree under one inch doesn't take a lot to, uh, to keep alive, and it can, you can really get those roots established into the, your new soil, and, and a lot of time, but it'll take a little bit, you know, obviously longer at a smaller size uh, to, to get up to be a big tree. Well, Eric, you're answering these questions like a politician. I think you might have to run for office. You've got both <laughs> giving the smaller and the bigger tree. Uh, well, see, I, I guess that's, uh, you know, it's because it is, it's individualized. It's, a lot of times it's individualized to where you're going to put it, who you are as a gardener. You know, if you're diligent and you really want to take it on, I say then go for a big three or four inch tree. But if you're really a plant and forget, then <laughs> your smaller ones are going to be better for you. All right, Eric, hang in there. We're going to bring you back after the break, see if we get some tree questions. Rob, we ready for a break? Yeah, we'll take a break. We'll come back on the other side, take more of your questions. And if you'd like to join uh, Eric and Doug, 866-391-1020. All right, here we go, folks. Lots of folks wanting to talk to Doug and Eric. And let's get going with uh, Harold up first from McCandless on KDK's Organic Gardener with Doug Oster. Of course, DougOster.com, Eric Countryman, Davy Trees. Go ahead, Harold. Uh, Doug, can you hear me? Yeah, go ahead. Yes, uh, my question is, I had uh, a baby tree came out, sprayed my three crabapple trees. Uh, they were in bloom. Uh, that worked out well. No apple scab. It's uh, fully foliated, but no no crabapples. Hmm. Well, that can happen, mm, well, right, Eric, for, other, for many reasons, right? It can. Um, you know, if, if when they were done spraying, you still had flowers that should have been able to develop some crab apples. But the other thing we see sometimes, um, and I think this year, wait, I wasn't not exactly sure what it was like up in the canvas, but if we get a late frost when they're in flower, that could knock them out too. Um, or they, the other thing too is sometimes as they're developing, you know, you do get them picked over by birds pretty quickly too, which can happen. Um, yeah, so you it know, may I, be uh, my, kind of a combination of all of that too. On my crab apple, you know, every once in a while, I'll get they'll be frosted, and I won't get the the uh, the crab apples. This year I did though. 
Thanks for your question. Uh, uh, yeah. Yeah, no frost. And the other thing is, well, I have to have it uh, get, have them sprayed every year. Yeah, every new leaf cycle has yeah, to be I would say treated or it'll come season, right back. Right? <laughs> One at a time, guys. Go ahead, Eric. What were you going to say? Sorry about that. It was, yeah, I said every new leaf cycle has got to be treated or the apple scab will just come back the next year. All right, guys, good job. Let's take one more call before we have to say goodbye to these gentlemen for another Sunday. Here's Glenn in New Kensington. Hey, Glenn, good morning. Good morning. How are you? Good, sir. I got a question about gourds. I I, I know it's not trees, but uh, I got this huge gourd plant that just appeared in my driveway, and it's about close to 15, 16 feet long already. I'm just wondering how I take care of these plants that are coming off of this plant. <laughs> That's a good problem to have, though. <laughs> so just oh, yeah. let it do its let it do its thing. You know, if you want it to continue to go through, and and has it is it putting on fruit? Oh, I've got at least sixteen of these things in here on this thing, and some of them are like a foot and a half long already. This is a good problem to have. Uh, what I would I do is I would just make sure it doesn't dry out. I'd give it a little fertilizer, let it go, and then harvest your gourds when they're ready. You know, they'll harden up on the outside, and then you'll you'll have all sorts of gourds. What do they look like? Um, they're bright yellow and green, and they start out with a straight stem, and then they they almost turn into a horseshoe. Oh, that is so cool! Re- they get a huge ball on one end of them. Now, right, right. I know exactly what you're what you're saying. That that's exciting. Yeah, at a certain point, they'll they'll harden up. You know, when we get uh, later in the season, and then you'll have twenty gourds that you won't know what to do with. But maybe somebody, maybe you can use them as decoration. Uh, oh, I know. I know, know the, people that already want them. You know. Oh, that's I'm, great I'm, news. I'm well, that's exciting, huh? The, you know, I'm more than happy to give them to them. Now, the one problem I, think, I have, I went out there yesterday morning, and something ate one of them. Yeah, well, one, one thing, the, the gourd itself. Well, it ate. I mean, I mean, there's no um, uh, residue from from chewing on it. Look, looks like they ate the whole thing, but I think whatever it was went after the seeds that were in it. Yeah, that's probably right. Well, that's a good problem. Good luck with the gourds. That's great. And uh, Rob, we got just a minute to talk to Eric. Yeah, go ahead. You got a couple minutes. Go ahead. Hey, Eric. Uh, uh, we, we talked a little bit about, uh, you know, the, the change in weather and stuff, but what are the trees that are looking good for you uh, when you go out and, and you're, you're looking at, at different properties? What's the important thing to, to, for people to know? So I think the ones that are sort of dealing with the changing weather the best are ones that have been sort of managed by arborists for a good amount of time. Um, you know, they're generally ones that are fertilized very regularly, you know, once a year at least. They're uh, mulched correctly, which my biggest thing is, is you want to have a mulch ring around the base of it to at least keep you from banging the lawnmower into the base of your tree and, you know, mulch to the correct height and just ones that are pruned regularly, uh, you know, and pruned properly by someone that knows how to make the proper cuts so that they can heal and you're not getting rot up into the tree. So it, it really is about having them managed. Uh, if you have you know, several trees and they're very important to you on your property, it's very important to get an arborist to, get, you know, to come out and look at it. You know, people up here at Davey, we're happy to do it. We come out for free. We make our recommendations uh, for what we can do to help keep your trees healthy. But 
you know, in, the investment in it to uh, maintain them year after year are the ones that are going to kind of push through this changing time uh, the best. Well, that's great advice all the way around. Well, Eric, thank you very much for your time, and uh, we will talk to you next time. All right, Doug, take us home. Okay. I'll be answering questions after the show at DougOster.com. And remember, organic gardeners, you can make our world brighter and safer with each seed you sow and every garden you grow. All right, there they go, folks. Doug Oster, DougOster.com. Eric Countryman, Davy Tree, Talking Trees, every other Sunday after that bottom-of-the-hour newscast at 7.30. We have a chance to get caught up and talk everything that is trees. Now, T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. Listen to every MLB game live. The deep left center field, it is high, it is far, it is gone. Stream minor league affiliates. The Midwest League home run leader. And watch the best baseball highlights and look-ins on MLB Big Inning. MLB at bat is your all-in-one live baseball subscription for only $3.99 per month. Deep left field, it's going to go. Alvarez ties the game. Subscribe to at bat within the MLB app today. Major League Baseball trademarks used with permission.